This is the Growlers Nation podcast, the official podcast of the Newfoundland Growlers. And now here's your host, Growlers play-by-play voice, Chris Ballard. Welcome back, Growlers fans, to episode 14 of the Growlers Nation podcast, the official podcast and the darn best podcast about your Newfoundland Growlers. So happy to have you aboard for this one. We're going to jump right in. No long intro or necessary needed because we got a special guest hailing from Goshen, Connecticut, on the blue line or up at forward, depending on who you ask. It's number eight, Evan Newgold. Evan, thanks for jumping on today. Can't wait to get into it with you, Bally. I'm excited uh, that you're excited, and uh, let's jump right in. So uh, the, the first question, we're going to take uh, take the, the fans on a journey today and uh, tell the, your full story here, starting with uh, growing up in Goshen, Connecticut. I love saying it on the, on the air. I'm always like, the pride of Goshen, Connecticut. Uh, talk about how you found the game of hockey in Goshen, Connecticut? Who did you grow up watching and playing and kind of where's, I don't know, Goshen much as a hockey community. I can only assume it is. Kind of put it together for us. So this is actually going to be fun for you and for everyone. I actually was born in Spokane, Washington. I didn't know that. And then I moved to Singapore, Asia. What? Yeah, for two and a half years. And then I moved to Minnesota. And then I moved to Goshen, Connecticut. So all of my research has just flown out the window. So those first, those first three stops, like born in Spokane, uh, lived there for a year. Then we moved to Singapore, lived there for two and a half years. And then we moved to Chaska, moved there for two and a half years. Wow. And then we moved to Goshen, Connecticut. Well, actually, we moved to Southbury, Connecticut, and then up to the farm in Goshen. So but how did how did Goshen end up on your elite? That's been the longest. That's, that's, that's been the longest okay. living situation for so our family for sure. Where in those seminal days did you first find the game of hockey and uh, and fall in love with it? In the beautiful country of Singapore. Really? Yes. We. Uh, so I was the youngest. I'm the youngest of three boys. My uh, two older brothers, Clark and Colin. Uh, when we moved there, they started getting into roller hockey. Okay. Um, and my dad had these huge size 12, like old school, you know, the black ones with like purple, pink yeah. colored wheels, right? Yeah. I'm he pretty would, sure I have a pair. I would start crying uncontrollably until he would strap me into those and he'd just push me away. And I'd just get in there and I'd hold a hockey stick. I actually have some pretty funny, uh, I have a couple of funny pictures. You like might have to Instagram. throw some of those up on uh, on social here yeah. in order to, no, to get some eyes They're pretty incredible. Here. It's just me in a diaper and I'm, I'm like... I'm a pretty chunky baby. I'm bow-legged, <laughs> too, so I'm just there holding the stick with knee pads on, size 12 skates. It's pretty funny. So but, that uh, said, how did who was your favorite team and favorite player growing up? Surely it wasn't, uh, you know, from, from over that way. When did you kind of start paying attention to NHL hockey? Uh, when we moved to uh, Minnesota, my, uh, my brother, my middle brother, Colin, was a diehard uh, Colorado Avalanche fan. Okay. Um, so that was kind of my first love, I'd say, is Colorado Avalanche and – Sat crazy enough, I I sneaky like the Detroit Red Wings, like just undercover kind of, yeah. because you can't like Colorado Avalanche. That's correct Detroit in the same household. Same that doesn't right? work out. Yeah, and my dad is a diehard New York Rangers fan. So when we moved to Connecticut, I became an instant diehard Ranger fan. Mark Messier, like, is my all-time favorite hockey player. Not even close. Um, to this day, I That's still watch. Pick. Till this day, I still watch um, his documentary, like before hockey games. Absolutely, like, as a good luck charm because I did it all out. Get out. Like, out, like literally religiously in the car. Like, like I would watch this film. Like, it's unbelievable. 
Really? Mark I'm, Messier, leader, champion, legend. And it's so I'm, good. I have to watch this later yeah. now. Yeah, no, it's so good. That's a great pick uh, for a favorite player. I'm certainly yeah. uh, not able to argue with you there. Uh, so then when it came time to start your college hockey days, Middlebury College, I'd be lying if I said I knew any other player who went there. Why Middlebury for you and, and uh, for the fans at home who don't know, which is a veiled attempt to say that I don't know, why don't you tell us where that is and how you ended up there? Yeah, so I was... Uh, I was a bit of a late bloomer in high school, you could say. I think I was five, six, hundred forty pounds until I was seventeen and a half. Stop! Really? Yeah, I didn't make my high school hockey team until junior year. Get out! And then in one summer, I grew eight inches um, to like this height. You know what I mean? Like pretty Holy. much in one summer. And I finally made the team as a junior. And then wow! And then I actually so I made the team as a junior, and he made me play defense for a bit. And but I got recruited to Middlebury as a forward. How did that work? Uh, because I played my summer hockey as a forward, and that's like really where I got all my looks. Because I, I, like, yeah. I played my best friend growing up, Chris is Merlin. We played together, and we were pretty, pretty lethal tandem. I get that. Um, he went to Yale. Like he played in the coast too. Yeah, uh, he yeah, he's a good player. Stopped, he just stopped playing this year. Um, but no, so we actually usually got recruited together to all these small like that's Nescac always good. Schools. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, so how did you? So why, how go, Middlebury in particular? Uh, they actually have the most national championships, I think, in any college hockey program ever, D one or D three. No uh, big deal. They have eight, um, and they had the best rank for Division three. And I was just like, well, if I'm not getting any D one looks here, um, that are actually, you know, legit. I'm for sure. For sure, going to get the best education I can and play at the best, the best rank I could with. Bill Beanie's actually a, like a our our head coach at the time. He's a legend in USA hockey. He's uh, Get out. he's known for creating a lot of like the small ice games and stuff like that for like practicing and all right. Um, just thought the game a bit differently, and we really connected. Uh, I still keep in touch with him to this day. Uh, he's kind of been one of my mentors. Uh, I love hearing that. Yeah, um, but no, that was a pretty easy choice for me once I realized I wasn't going to go D one. No, absolutely, yeah. and uh, so and again, you played your college hockey as a forward. Oh yeah, as a center, baby. Yep. I find that so hard to believe since my experience with you is as a, typically as a defenseman first serving as captain in your uh, senior year there, 2016. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what was that like? I mean, D1, D3, doesn't matter. Being the captain of a college hockey team is uh, is a big deal. No, absolutely. It was, uh, it was truly an honor. And to be honest, it was one of the first times that uh, in the program history I was voted just the single captain. Uh, usually he always had co-captains three. Yeah, or co-captains or three. Get out. I didn't know all that. My, all my peers voted me uh, single captain, which was pretty Pretty cool. Pretty yeah. Uh, yeah, it's something I'm extremely proud of to this day, just because of my background, right? I uh, pretty late bloomer in hockey, but I feel like I, I really worked for that and earned earned the respect of my my peers and my coaches, which is nice. And it took you a couple years to make your way to the ECHL, and will uh, take us through that journey. Started in uh, 2016, 17, your first pro season in the SPHL with the Columbus Cottonmouths and Knoxville Ice Bears. I'm not going to say anything bad about the SPHL. I heard it's actually quite an awesome place to play. Rockin' Southern Barnes, what was your experience uh, in your first year of pro playing in the hockey hotbeds of uh, Knoxville and Columbus? So I've noticed the theme. I'm going to keep rewinding the story on you. Just I love there are this. Some good tidbits. There if there's a story tidbits. to tell, I want to hear it. And if you'll appreciate this too. So I actually I had no contacts coming out of college because D3 hockey, right? Right. So I didn't know anyone in professional hockey. Didn't I didn't have an agent, didn't know anything. Um, and I saw this ad for Toledo Walleye pay to play free agent camp that they do in the summer, right? Really? So I paid $300 to go to that. Um, Get out. Paid $300 to go to that, drove out like the 14 hours or whatever it was with my dad. 
Um, and I ended up being one of two people they invited to training camp, uh, me and Drew Fielding, the goalie. Yeah, I remember yes. Drew. Yeah. Drew, he actually, because I think he played in, did he play in he Brampton? He played in yeah. Brampton, yeah, I got exactly. to know him a little. I have his jersey, in fact. Yeah, Let and, him his, and his and uh, his D3 stats are quite astonishing. He actually, I think he won player of the year for Division I think you're right. 3, right? So that was someone, me and him connected instantly, it was pretty cool. But we were the only two people invited to training camp. And I actually ended up making it. I played both preseason games. The coach loved me, Dan Watson. Get um, out. Which is just cool because we play him in the finals, right? That's so right. We, well, and we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so I actually, in the second preseason game, I was centering like uh, centering two AHL guys because they sent down six forwards from Grand Rapids. Yeah. And like before the game, he's like, all right, well, just show me what you can do because you realize the so situation you played those, here, I'm going to have to cut. Those games as a forward you. too. Played those games as a center, yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Played those games as a center, and obviously he actually really liked me, and I actually, once again, every time I see him, we have a pretty good connection because he gave me a shot, right? Hey, no, that's all you need. But he set me up uh, out of that, ended up going to Columbus, Cotton Miles. I knew nothing about Southern Professional Hockey League, knew nothing about Georgia, you know what I mean? So it's pretty cool. But uh, So that's where it is, Columbus, Georgia? Columbus, Georgia. I, yeah. I, I yeah. get not super yeah, familiar with that corner back, of the about world. an hour west of uh, Atlanta. I think. Okay. Yeah. But no, it was pretty cool. It was a good experience. We, we weren't the best team at all, but pretty close-knit group of guys. I was actually, uh, <clears throat> are we getting into the, the Yeah, let's the go. Switch? Yeah. So I actually was on that SPHL bus crash with the Columbus Cottonmouths. That was them. That was me. Yeah. Oh, wow. We're getting heavy here. Yeah. No. I was never well, going to ask that. No, no. It's all right. But that's how the switch happened, right? That 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 bus crash changed my life in a lot of ways. Um, one is which I hate being on buses. <laughs> and then the yeah. Other nope. Is, nope. Understand now, that now. Now I play in this league with this team as a defenseman. But <laughs> after that after that incident, yeah. I, uh, I didn't want to be there. I asked for a trade. Really? Um, after, just out of yeah. Columbus? or Just out of Columbus. I couldn't really be there. Like, like. I just didn't know really, the whole PTSD of it whole, all. Oh my goodness, yeah. And if you ever watch me on a bus, right? Like I wear my seatbelt, I'm strapped in. I'm. I I'm actually have never noticed that because yeah. I'm up up front. Yeah, I know. But if you ever come back, you know, to use the bathroom, or I'll like, know you'll that. Just notice I'm strapped in like this, like just on a spaceship. There. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I'm not trying to crazy. make light of the situation. No, no, no. Man. It's don't. I mean, I wouldn't play the game right if I couldn't deal with it. No. So I ended up getting traded to Knoxville, um, and my first game there. Obviously, I was playing center. Um, Still and, wild uh, to me. Yep, pretty crazy. I'm playing center, and our third period comes up. We're losing. Um, it's been a really chippy game, and our, my captain Nick Price um, ends up. I win the faceoff, and he ends up shooting the puck into the opposing team's bench, hitting one of the trainers, um, and he gets <laughs> suspended for life. Until he actually came back this year, like he he appealed and got back in the league, but, but got still, suspended. Yeah, at the time got suspended for the year, suspended for life from the league. What? So we were down to five D instantly. My first game there, and I'm the new guy as a forward. And the coach just looks at me and goes, "Noogs, hope you play D, kid." Yeah, he goes, "Noogs, can you skate backwards?" I go, "Yeah, I can skate backwards." He goes, "All right, you're playing D." So I played the last like 11 games of the season as a defenseman. Ended up doing really well and actually got uh, like good looks. What? Um, got invited to Adirondacks training camp out of that for the next year. Right, that was uh, did uh, did really well, but once again didn't have room, so I went back to Knoxville. Played, I think, I don't know, like eighteen games, like just like the beginning of the season. As a defenseman this time. Yes, as a defenseman, and I ended up doing really well, and I got called up to Adirondack, and then was there for and the rest of the year until trade deadline. Got traded to South Carolina. 
and I thought I was going to get like a chance to play even more, but they ended up just... <laughs> they were just using me as a fill-in until Hershey sent down the of all course. their D for playoffs. So four of us, four defensemen on that team, ended up getting released. Right. Oh. Yep. But uh, I ended up going back to Knoxville, and they named me captain for playoffs, which right. was pretty cool. So I got to captain a pro team. And then, yeah, the rest is history. Signed, I think, what, three or four days before training camp with Newfoundland. That's how late it was in oh, the process? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really late. Um just looking yeah, for my, it. my coach in Knoxville called me and goes, uh, "You Snowy's, coming back?" <laughs> no, yeah, Sno no. He goes, he goes, Snowy's looking for a guy that, like, he asked me for a guy that he thinks can actually make this team. And I said your name. Are you interested in going? I was like, "Hell yeah!" Right? Yeah. Like, why who, would you say I'm no? Not, Did never, you know much about where or what Newfoundland was? Typed it in, saw the jelly bean row houses on this little island, and that was all I went with. And then I was packing my bags on a plane. Yeah, pretty crazy. And I, I mean, I wasn't really, to be honest, I didn't know what to expect, and I knew. From what I had seen, like, it was going to be a lot of AHL guys, so I was pretty much just expecting to show up and, you know, same old, same old, get released down to the SPHL, but ended up sticking around the whole year. Pretty crazy. No kidding. And, let, I mean, let's talk about the, the year that was last year. Obviously, uh, coming in blind to a brand-new franchise, ultimately winning the Kelly Cup at the end of the year. I mean, can you say with a straight face that you expected all that to fall down quite like that? No, not in the slightest. But <laughs> I can say after... After our uh, win streak started pretty much at, like, what, game, like, 15 or something like that? Yeah, we I think we were 500 win-loss, win-loss yeah. for, like, 8, 10, 12 games or yeah. something. And, and right after that, on a tear. Off. Um, you realize we were a pretty special team. I mean, our talent level's just through the roof. Um, and I just always say that was my funnest part of my hockey career is getting to play as a defense partner with Adam Party for, no for the whole year, right? That's Talk a bit more about that. I mean, around these parts, Pards is a, is a local legend oh, here. Man, yeah. uh, obviously, not a lot of guys make it out of the town of Bonavista to play in the NHL, no. and to want to come home for him and, and try and cap off his career with a title and you getting to do that alongside him. I mean, talk, talk about what he meant to, to you, I guess. Oh, my goodness. I can't even put into words what he, what he taught me last year just from the professional – just professionalism level and yeah. also just his hockey IQ is through the roof, right? He's not the fastest guy, but he's really, unless it's a clean breakaway, right, or full speed tilt, he's never getting beat because he's so good with his stick. He's so yeah. spatially aware on the ice of where his body is. Um, and he's just always got his head up. That's one thing I, I really like. Just if you have your head up, it is incredible what the game opens up for you. And just yeah. watching him being able to play with him um, was truly special and obviously – a guy, me coming from not like just nothing hockey career, right? To be able to do that and play with him in a championship season was so cool. Yeah. I had wow, man, that's really cool to hear from yeah. you. Any other kind of this is I love asking this question. Was there any particular moment last year, whether it's in the regular season or even in the playoffs, where it was it really kind of was a crystallizing moment for you, saying like, "Oh my God, we're actually going to do this." Like, was it the conference finals winning two in Florida? Was it after that win streak? Kind of what was the one moment that says, "Not that yeah, we're just going to be a good team, but man, son of a gun, we actually have a shot of taking home some hardware." Yeah, I, I for me, I guess it was really when I got that when we closed it out here against Florida. Um, yeah. And you, you know, you win the Eastern Conference Finals. That was a game I actually got to play um, because <laughs> Adam took a puck to the face, right? So That's right. Pretty crazy. So, um, but yeah, I think once you win that, right, you're just like this one more real step, now. four more games, right? It's it's actually real because in the playoffs, you 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 take it game by game. You never think you have ahead. To. You can't, right? Otherwise, you're already out of it before it starts. So when you're four games away, you you lift that first trophy for the Conference Finals. Um, 
I don't know, just kind of solidifying moment that that was everyone thought Florida was going to just Mop tear us, us apart. Right? They, yeah. thought, they literally thought they were going to sweep us, and we ended up dominating them. So That's pretty, the only way to put yeah, it. Yeah, and I just think everyone stepped up on our team, right? Everyone had their own role, um, but it was just so cool to see. So cool to be a part of. Absolutely. And I know we don't like to compare last season to this season. Brand new year and all that. But uh, another, uh, I think we have under 20 games left as we record here today. Uh, another good looking team. How do you feel it compares? I know that's an unfair question to ask you, but give it a shot. Um, I think it's very similar, but at the same time, it's so different, right? I think we have even more young guys this year. Yeah. And even more speed yeah. and skill. And maybe not the biggest guys, but I actually. The Florida game for me against the Everblades was actually another good moment to like see the what recent our team was one? about. Yeah, because I mean we lost through nothing, but we I thought that we was dominated. a playoff I we, game. I thought, we, I thought we dominated that game. Seventeen shots is yeah. what we held them to. Yeah, I think we dominated that game, and and the guys who I not was worried about, but I was curious about to see how of they course. would react reacted very positively. So it was really fun to see. No one shied away from the game, um, and that's what you need in playoffs, right? You need tough, tough players with a with a we're going to win mindset, and it's you versus the other guy. And I was pretty uh, pretty proud of what I saw there. Any other moments that come to mind as your favorite uh, growler moments here now that you're almost two full seasons as a member of, the, of this squad? <laughs> um, I mean, just getting to lift the Kelly Cup, obviously, is yeah. the greatest moment of all time. And I think, honestly, the locker room celebration just with the guys after a season like that. What did we play, 99 games or 92 games, something yeah. like that? Uh, it was a long Longest year. season of my career for sure. I mean, I played more games in that one year than I did in my, all four of my college years combined. So Wow, when um, you put it that way. Yeah, wow. pretty crazy, right? But, no, it's just such a – until you win a championship at the professional level or I guess any level really, but you just don't realize how much it takes out of you and, and how yeah. close you actually get to the people surrounding you. So um, that locker room celebration was special. We uh, – we lived in the moment for sure. <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah. Not much more I can add to that there. So even uh, me compiling questions uh, for you jumping on today, I'm like, what are some of my favorite Evan Newgold moments? I've I've ribbed you enough about only scoring against Brampton, but you've got nine goals this year, and they're not all against Brampton. So we'll I'll jump over that <laughs> one. I will ask you if I may about that. Was it? 18 round shootout or something mm -hmm. this time last year we're yep. approaching the one year anniversary i thought you yep. had ended the game we're in portland maine let me the set the scene thank you for saying that because yep. i think so as well a uh, hard game down the stretch we had already clinched so it's it's a tough game to play mentally i know yep. it is and then we go into what ends up being the longest shootout of the season i can't remember was it 17 or 18 18 rounds yep. of shootout you were i don't remember which round it was. I think I was a. Uh, I was. I was the first defenseman to go. I think I was, or or something like that. I was eleven, right, or something like that. And you go in with a great move and score, and it gets called back. What's the explanation? Uh, the explanation is that he touched the puck, which is insanity because I actually put it through his stick, like I put it through the triangle, right? Like yeah. It was actually. A, I thought it was a really good move. Yeah. Yeah, and he, I think he was so embarrassed that it happened that he just started complaining. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as soon as he did that, then the refs get together and they're just—they don't have any video proof, so they're just like, "Oh, we'll just 
why would he complain, right? Like, yeah. Why are you going to do that? So Anyway, go and look at the tape. It was a sick move and yeah. worth pumping your tires on even uh, you. a year later. Thank but uh, I kept some of my forward skill for that. I, I guess you did. <laughs> Let's jump into a couple of uh, questions from our Growlers Nation uh, Facebook group here. Uh, Tommy Drover wants to know, I would love to know why he decided to come back after, I guess, the Kelly Cup season and what made him re-sign so fast. I'm pretty sure he was the first. Yeah, I don't know if I was the first. I was definitely one of the first few. I think I saw Meller and Johnny sign before me. But um, just knowing that I knew a lot of the guys were going to come back and we would have a chance to repeat uh, definitely added to it. But I actually had talked with Zach and Marcus and, and Meller. And I actually, because um, where I live in Goshen, Connecticut, there's not a there's not a lot of training anywhere near me. I got to sure. drive, drive an hour 20 to get to a rink and Oof, train. Really? Yeah. I live out in the middle of Farmville. Yeah. So I decided, I was like, what do you guys think, like, if I get an apartment here? Um, cause my girlfriend's here, too. So I was like, right. if I get an apartment here and train? And they were like, yeah, man, it would be awesome because they get skating for free, right? Because they're all oh, well, local sweet. legends. Yeah, so pretty <laughs> pretty awesome situation. Me and Zach moved in over the summer. So you didn't leave? Bit. No, I went home for a bit, yeah. I went home for like a month. That was um, still, that's, that's almost yeah. just a vacation. Then you're oh, ba yeah. back yeah, in your exactly. hockey home yeah. here. So I had like a month and a half back here before the season which was really nice. Um, and I, I just really wanted to see uh, St. John's in the summer because it's absolutely stunning, uh, the landscape and the weather. Um, a little better than the wintertime. Exactly. So it was the, This place opens up well. It's like a bottle of wine. Oh you have to wait. Yeah, it's just so gorgeous. And I'm a huge hiker. I got my dog here, and we go on hikes all the time. We're hiking every day in the summer, so it's pretty cool. So pretty a pretty easy non-decision to, to come back. Non-decision, yeah, pretty easy for me. Paul Loader asks, now that you've been here as long as you have, have you had a good feed of Jig's dinner during your time in Newfoundland? Now, I I oh. teased you with this question before yep. we came on, and you had a very blank stare on your face when I asked you. You were like, did I have what since I've been here? Yeah, Are, I'm going to need a fill-in here on what that is. Jig's so. dinner. It's like your, your standard Newfoundland boiled dinner. It could be a, a turkey or a chicken probably dry as heck if your grandmother made it uh you know with with gravy and and cabbage and peas pudding and it's like a cooked like a sunday dinner but it's newfoundland's version of it i have not been treated to that and i'm now i'm upset about it well we we'll, we can make that happen yeah. but no that is that's a rite of passage i'm yeah so that I mean, being I've been said screeched in i guess that's nothing compared to jig's dinner well, I mean, I mean, that's one thing, but kissing that's all. A fish, of, kissing a fish doesn't sound as good as that dinner. No, eating this dinner is way better than smooching a, a fish. Let me yeah. tell you that. I will ask you this, though. Have you have you enjoyed or embraced any of the Newfoundland cuisine since coming here? Because it is different. Everywhere has got its little regional pockets of fun local things to eat. Have you indulged in any here in the great province of Newfoundland and Labrador? Well, my mom always jokes I'm a garbage disposal, so I eat just about, uh, <laughs> I eat just about anything, and I love... Uh, Love fish. I love fish and chips. Um, I think St. John's. Anywhere you go, you get great fish and chips. Where's your go-to place? Uh, Duke at Duck. Yeah, that's. Sure, right? I gotta stop asking um, this question. Everyone just tells me it's the Duke. Yep. They gotta start sponsoring us here. I think. Yeah, I know. There you go. So the Duke of Duckworth is uh, Evan Newgold's preferred spot. Scott Walker asks, this is a funny question. Uh, I think a lot of fans always want to know uh, uh, more and more about the behind-the-scenes stuff on the road. And mm -hmm. Scott Walker asks, what road city has the most uncomfortable beds? It's a tough question to ask. I know the hotels can change. Yep. Uh, sometimes the rooms can be different. But uh, in, your, in your opinion, you've been around this league and others. What's the most uncomfortable bed in this league? Well, it depends. Is the bed uncomfortable? Is the hotel situation uncomfortable? Because our team hates Glens Falls because they think that the Queensbury is haunted. 
Yeah, yeah. there that has so, been well documented yeah. on this and podcast. Of course, and of even. course, and of course, on the bus ride, we watched paranormal activities. Of on course, our way we there, did. Right, so everyone was freaking out when we got there. So that um, kind of answers the question. I don't know if the question is no, really I sleep, about I sleep the like bed. A, I sleep you know? like a baby there. Um, yeah. They're so comfy. And, and the renovations yeah, have been very now. good. Um, you will hear the odd, uh, the odd noises here and then from the closets or the bathroom, but that doesn't bother me. I actually Do you think, think it's haunted? Honestly, I think the worst beds are in Worcester um, at that hotel, even though the hotel oh, yeah. is, the situation is good. Yeah. It's right next to the rink. It's awesome. I love waking up and walking across. I agree. But the bed is kind of like, like you're sleeping in a half pipe. A little bit, a little bit. As much as I enjoy a good half pipe, uh, not not when I'm sleeping. Exactly. No. Do you think the Queensbury's haunted? Have you had a moment there? I haven't had a moment. I've had a. I feel like I've had my own ghost moments. I'm not. It's it's, so. Yeah, we were opening up. Maybe that's for another episode. Maybe 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 a Halloween special down there. I mean, I I think I believe in them, but I uh, I've never had my own encounters there. I have. You'll have to go back and listen uh, to one of the old episodes. I'm trying to squeeze a few more clicks out of these bad boys here. So we will move on. Thank you for those questions. Uh, That last one from Scott Walker. Morgan Stacy asks, uh, do you have any specific pregame or postgame rituals? Anything you absolutely have to do? Are you superstitious? That kind of thing? Uh, Yeah, actually. So I got a pretty rigid one but it's it's a relaxed one i'm a very i like to relax as much as possible for the game which is yeah. kind of the opposite of most guys um but i always got to get like uh some type of french vanilla coffee and a treat from somewhere uh before the game no matter what and it can be like a muffin or a donut but i just i gotta have it and i gotta have my coffee um and then i tape my starting stick uh if not in the bleachers on the bench before the game and then I listen to like the same like remix uh, of music. It's like an hour long, uh, just to get in the zone, kind of relax yeah. a bit, take my mind off of it. And then I watch video of the game before as I'm taping my stick. And that's Ooh. pretty much all I do. Yeah. What about post game? Anything you do specifically? Post game, I get to... out of the rink as uh, quick as possible. For being honest, I uh, once the game's over, I like to get my mind off of it. Uh, I think that kind of creates a bit of consistency for me. So I'll have my protein shake, make a, make the best protein shake, recovery shake in in the league. in the room or in the, in league. the league. Could be what could makes be all a good one? Could be all four leagues. Actually, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what banana, makes banana? It's banana ice. Uh, all whole right, get milk. out your recipe books, yep. folks. Banana ice, whole milk, Nutella, peanut butter, Ooh. vanilla recovery protein, and then almonds. And it's that it's, sounds delicious. It's fantastic, and, I, and a little bit of honey. Ooh, yeah, little new gold special. Yep. Now, I since we're still kind of on the food and, and shake thing, you were on a, a local television program <laughs> earlier this season uh, that had that kind of focus uh, yep. through our television partner of Rogers, uh, Scoff Off with James Melindy. That looked like a bit of fun. Uh, tacos didn't seem too out of reach, <laughs> right? You, you seem to do. You won the competition. I know because I went out of the top, out of out of the toolbox and didn't make tacos because that's what they wanted us to make, and I felt a little slighted. Just kidding, I didn't at all. <laughs> no, I, I would have done the exact same thing too. Um, but no, it was awesome. Actually, me and Mel were kind of shocked at how we didn't know how serious it was going to be, the setup. And yeah, it's the real they, deal. They had like ten cameras. They had like five people working there different angles doing all that stuff um interviews and all that so it was really cool just glad i won oh my goodness especially because you you come from a bit of a family that has a a culinary history yes Uh, on one of the road trips this season we stopped at your brother's restaurant in connecticut yep 
One of the best meals I've ever had on the road, by the way, and I have no reason to lie to you yeah. about that. I like to eat, and I ate well that day. Yep. So let's give a, a shout-out. What's the name of the restaurant? The restaurant is owned by my brother Clark Nugle. It's called uh, the Foundry Kitchen and Tavern in Sandy Hook, Connecticut. If you guys are ever going through Connecticut, highly recommend stopping there. Uh, shout-out. It was I don't want to wanna pump my brother's tires, but it is, it's one of the best restaurants in Connecticut for sure. He's making new menus, new foods all the time, so it's pretty, pretty cool. Delicious stuff. I can speak uh, from experience. Uh, Cindy and Mike Stone ask, and again, this is more of a very general question, what do you like best about this province since you've been here? I know you've kind of alluded to it. Uh, you were initially drawn in by the uh, you know, the old houses and, uh, and the small town feel, but now that you've been here a couple of years, yep. I mean, kind of sum up your experience and what do you really love about this place? Uh, I, mean, I think besides the, the hospitality that you get here from everyone, right? Everyone's your not just your neighbor, but kind of just like an, a family member, right? Yeah. You're, you're almost as an extended part of everyone's family, which is pretty cool. You can walk down the street and someone will offer to invite you in. It's, uh, it's for me, besides that, it's definitely the landscape. I am, uh, I think I've mentioned it before, but yeah. love getting outdoors with my dog um, and girlfriend. We like going to just see all the different places. Um, it's a but beautiful just, place. You can drive five minutes and you can feel like you are in the middle of, just uncharted territory right yeah it is so cool um, yeah you're never too far away from you get the, on that the coastline and you just look out and it's it's kind of it hard to, it's, it's easy to lose yourself in it is oh it? it's unbelievable right and that's kind of why i like doing it you, you really it puts in perspective just kind of who you are as a person and it makes you think about it. it's pretty cool couldn't have said it any better myself. Sam Patterson asks, the Toronto Maple Leafs have been doing some training and systems work with the Growlers. Is there any particular aspect of that you've enjoyed the most or think has made a big difference to the team? So I guess uh, sum up the, I guess, involvement of the Maple Leafs here because this is pretty next level, their involvement, say, compared to other teams around the ECHL. Yeah, no, I think anytime you get uh, that high quality, that caliber of training, especially skills training, right, uh, you take advantage of it whenever you can, but we get it more than anyone else in this league, that's for sure. Uh, Toronto's done an unbelievable job of that. But I actually, we actually changed our kind of our D, our defensive zone, and that was right when we started getting on our tear, our win streak. So that's really helped us. But it's just cool to see that being implemented and then uh, everyone just hopping right on, right on board and following it. And it's led to, to definitely... Uh, more consistency in the D zone, right? So that's all you kind of want as a hockey team. And for playoffs, it's definitely what we need. So. All you can ask for now that it is in the rearview mirror, I will ask about the 19-game home win streak. Uh, <laughs> a pretty big moment. Not not too bad for a team in just its second season in the ECHL. I, again, I'll ask, at what point in that, I guess, the build-up to that streak, did you realize that, like, man, are we about to break a league record right now? Like, is this really happening? Was there any moment in there that... When did it start to, I guess, creep into your psyche? Yes, game by game. But when did you start to see, hey, we're putting a few together. Uh, let's see if we can keep this going. Yeah, so I didn't even know that we had a home win streak until I think 16 is when I saw, uh, I think ECHL posted something on it. Yeah. Like we were like a game away from becoming like the third longest or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then finally when we got 18 and we tied it, that's kind of like because we had a game the next day, right? Yeah, you can't so ignore it at that point. Can't ignore it at that point. And we were just like, well, might as well cap it off, do something special here. You don't want to be tied, right? You want to have your own own spot in league history. Um, that seems to be the theme of, of this team. <laughs> uh, create your own history, which is awesome. But that's definitely when we noticed it was uh, game 18 because at that point you know you've tied it. And yeah. 
You really, oh, that and we you need, you blew need it up it, a right? little bit. You exactly. have to do it. Right? Yeah. That's going to sell tickets. Yeah. Uh, Mark Picco asks a question I'm curious to know the answer of. What team do you hate to play? Not in a personal sense, <clears throat> but in a competitive one. I think Redding's a very hard team to play. Uh, they yeah. play they play a pretty heavy game. They got some skilled forwards, Big D. Uh, they just play they just play a hard game. They play the right way, so it's always going to be a battle. I actually don't hate it. I enjoy it, but yeah. Is there a team you hate? Um, Maybe they just I don't know. I feel like I, I mean I, 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 I hate play, I hate playing Brampton. To yeah. be honest, they just I, going off of that. I don't think they play the right way. So uh, it's. Uh, it's definitely a battle when we play them, but it's it's a different type of hockey for sure. But yeah, I think if I had to pick a team that I hated playing the most, it'd be them. Although, as you mentioned before, I, I tend to do pretty well against them. Yeah, what gives weird. there? We'll come back to that. I don't know. Because okay, no the I reason I started they, I chirping think it's because you. they play so offensively that if you just play the right way defensively, you're actually going to get a lot more looks than you would against other teams. Because I think your first like five or six goals in this league. We're all against Brampton least, or something like yeah, that, right? And when I kind of dug that out, I'm like, hey, Nui, why yeah. why this? And you're like, I yeah. don't know. But my first two ECHL goals, I was playing forward. Yeah, which is funny. With Adirondack. Yeah, with Adirondack against Brampton. Against Brampton. Yeah. And I scored both of them on Fucali. I think I've called every single one of your goals you've ever scored. I think that's probably a fair assessment. Yep. That's which fun. Is awesome. That's nice. good. We're tight. Yeah, yeah, a little fist bump go. for that one, and thank you for the question. Don't leave me. Hey, we're not going anywhere, baby. Me. You and me, right to the top. <laughs> Pat Rice asks, is it harder to prepare when you're playing as a forward or D-man? Is the mental preparation the same? Uh, it's definitely harder as a forward now just because it's not something I do all the time anymore. Um, and We have very specific, uh, very specific structure. So if, yeah. you're not, if you're not – I, I would change my answer if I played – like five games in a row as a forward, but it's always just one game every month or two. Right. So then, um, yeah, you have to gear up uh, for that. Right, and it just completely changes. And your body, you work so much harder in straight lines as a forward. You're sprinting nonstop, at least my style of forward. I like to just kind of play like Todd Skirving, right, get in there, muck and grind <laughs> a bit. Um, Good so guy to model your it, game It spends after. a lot more energy, and also I just my, bra my brain gets put in a blender a bit because it's way different than D, so you – you're kind of trying to re-familiarize yourself with all the structure and, and uh, things we do. Absolutely. So thank you to Pat Rice for that one. Rod Z asks, do you tweak or change your style of play based on which line is playing in front of you? I think this is presuming now we're talking about you playing defense. Uh, are there some lines that maybe force you to play more offensively or defensively? How do you have to maybe adjust? Because I think this is no judgment, you know, against the skill on any given <laughs> line, but there's some lines I'm sure that you expect to carry the load offensively and which might force your mind or hand a little bit kind of how do you how do you is there a difference yeah so i think this year i've kind of only played with two lines for the most part okay. i've uh usually it's usually it's trey braz and woods when they were there right. when they were on their hot streak i was actually was lucky i was getting to play with them a lot and i actually felt like a fourth forward with them um i have really good that's a good really thing. good chemistry with trey and woods because uh, they like to cycle high and i like to get a lot of movement from the point so whenever i do that i know i'm playing a lot more offense and and then recently it's kind of been with Zach, uh, Fergie, and whoever's playing with them. Um, and I think on that I kind of let them do their own thing offensively and jump yeah. in or get shots through when I can. But you know you're, they're very offensive, and I, I just want to worry about defense when I'm playing with them, to be honest. 
No, that makes uh, yeah. a whole lot of sense. So, and uh, thank you again for that question, Rod Z. So now we're, I guess, kind of getting near the, the end of this here on episode 14 of the Growlers Nation podcast. A uh, few more questions here for Evan Newgold and more of a, a shout out than anything else because I, I love going to the different cities and getting the opportunity to meet the different people who, who support the people on our team. And I got to say, one of my favorite people to see when I'm on the road is your old man, uh, <laughs> The one and only Doug Newgold. Hey, Doug. Talk, talk about his support because, listen, I see whenever players get their parents around or who's always on the phone after the game, you know, filling in mom or dad about about the night. And, and I see your dad more than anybody. He's clearly your biggest supporter. Kind of what does that mean to you to have him so invested? Maybe you hate it, but, I mean, I know for me that oh, would no, be uh, – No, he's he's, he's a big supporter. It's the I best thing in the world, right? All you can ask for as a kid is for your parents to support what you do uh, when you start making it out into the room world and he's always been the one pushing me to follow the dream of hockey and it's been it's just been special to be able to play in areas where he can actually make it and come and watch yeah because i know a lot of guys right you don't get that opportunity as much especially up here let's be real we are on an island i'm fortunate he's he's not working anymore so he can come and travel and and he loves it and if you think yeah if you think i love new culture and landscapes my i've got it from my father and he's the true uh pioneer of getting out and looking at different areas seeing new things so but yeah everything i have in hockey i can i can pretty much thank my father for giving me the opportunity so it's been it's been been special winning last year too that was really cool to share with him so he was here for that wasn't he uh he was around in the i'm i'm mixing up my my doug newgold memories because he's around yeah, so no, much so he here. actually yeah so he, he actually wasn't here but it was still i mean it was so special Doesn't matter. To be able to call him right yeah oh, exactly of course. after you win um just thanked him for Literally, yeah, for always being there, giving me every opportunity in the world to succeed. It's all you want as a child, right? The best. Yep. So what do you like to do in, uh, when you're not off the ice? You got an off day today. When I l- let you go here in the next uh, hour when we're done, I'm kidding, we'll be done uh, a little quicker than that. Uh, what's what's going to take up the rest of your day? What do you like to do? Are you a Netflix guy, a video game guy? you just going to sit and stare at the walls? What are you no, going to do? No, uh, I'm a huge reader, actually, Ooh. especially uh, in the wintertime, right, because there's not much to do here just with the amount of snow. Yeah, that, that's uh, a fact. That, that's been thrown on us um but yeah no i'll go back i actually need to go get an ice pick because i need to break off all the uh we got like a foot of ice in our driveway that i need so to that's break turned off. into a hobby snow clearing yes a hobby <laughs> well i wouldn't say I, I could get paid professionally i think at this point you think you're that good yeah, Zach, I, yeah I got Zach, somewhere Zach and matt don't really help me out too much i'm usually the only one doing it so okay yeah so I, that being said, I know we're on a very young team with a lot of guys who are super addicted to the video games. Oh. Is that is that a, a part of your uh, off day as well? Do you like playing the video games? No, I think uh, part of my off day is just poking fun at them for playing so much. I think that's uh, not. I don't have anything against video games. Not but, at all. But I, I like to kind of challenge yourself a, bit, you know? a little yeah, better. Exactly. Maybe. No, it's not even challenge yourself. It's just mix it up a bit, right? Do something. Yeah. Else. Maybe get out there, see some things. So you yeah. don't, you're not a Fortnite guy? You're not no, a if you ever hear duty? me in the locker room, I'll be doing ridiculous gaming voice impressions of what they say just to tease them a bit. It's pretty funny. Actually, I'm more on board for that than yeah. playing the game itself. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of alluded to it a couple of times over the course of the podcast. Now, I mean, what was your experience with the, the whole Snowmageddon thing? I know you're talking about chipping ice, but, I mean, we were lucky it happened during the All-Star break, but still, eight days, no skating, buried in your mm-hmm. house. Surely, I can imagine you'd never seen anything like that before. No, yeah, I've seen a lot of snow in Minnesota, but nothing that. I mean, I think we had like five feet in that 
like 24, 40 yeah. hours then, right? It's pretty crazy. Um, but no, it's a lot of shoveling. I'd, I'd get out every hour to shovel it, stay on top of it, because Lord knows you don't want to be caught with five feet of snow Correct. with a snowblower. You do not. So it was all by hand. Um, and I got a tiny 11-pound uh, Chihuahua wiener dog named Frank. So <laughs> I had to make sure he had an area to use the bathroom. Do his business, you know? yeah. Um, but no, was, I had a lot of fun. Me and Brad's actually built a huge snow fort outside the house. Stop. Uh, it was like an igloo snow fort type thing. What? Yeah. Well, I was so bored that I just went outside. Well, yeah, that's I what like, I mean. You have to find and I couldn't something. Work out. I couldn't go to the gym to work out. So I was like, I'm just going to spend four or five hours just shoveling out like a 20-foot high fort. I'm going to have to see pictures cool. of this yeah. bad boy. It was pretty awesome. And of course, you use it for 10 minutes, right? Yeah, and then you, then you spend, go inside because it's making, cold yeah, and you're exactly. exhausted. Yeah, but uh, no, it was pretty fun. I Luckily, we got to go grocery shop and get food, and so I wasn't too worried about it. We had power the whole time, so I was very thankful for that. Um, but yeah, no, I actually had a blast. It's pretty cool. It's another another uh, local legend thing to be a part of, right? Absolutely. A Kelly Cup one year and then a 19-game home <laughs> win streak and a, a world uh, record uh, snowfall. Yep. Now, I know I think you, you gravitate more, say, toward the, the warm weather than the cold. I understand word goes around you're a pretty decent golfer. We'll have to talk about that, I mm -hmm. suppose. Uh, yep. hey, any truth to that rumor? Yeah, actually, so I used to, when I was... Five six hundred forty pounds pre high school, not pre high school, but like during high school. Still with your junior clubs? Yeah, exactly. No, I uh, <laughs> I was a pretty phenomenal golfer. That was what I thought I was going to go to school for. for really? A bit. Yeah, because I actually had more like kind of D one interest in that than I did uh, hockey at that point because I was so small. Wow. But no, I, uh, I was shooting under par pretty consistently. Um, oh my! Like winning a couple of tournaments and stuff like that. So it was pretty cool. But I am no longer that golfer i am because i talked I am with bare ball like i am as i'm like a i'll shoot like high 70s on a good day now you know what i mean oh so, heaven forbid no but it's a little different when oh no when eight or nine really over good. par how dreadful on a good day and then on a bad day i could shoot a hundred because you just don't know that's especially the ballard he, especially, day especially here in this wind you never oh, know oh yeah have you have you had a chance to play golf in newfoundland oh, yeah. when yep. you came how how is that a different experience? Because oh, yeah, yeah, if you play it like Pippi Park, not a sponsor, yeah. uh, you're on <laughs> top of the you're on top of the city. Yeah. Sometimes I there's uh, one of the holes there is like a it's a par three right over the city, so yeah. it, the depth is deceptive. Yeah. I flipped a wedge down over there, and I've also had to hit a three wood forty five degrees perpendicular yep. in order to have it come across. What's your experience with Newfoundland golf? Yeah, no, right. It's either you're hitting driver twice or you're you're hitting a pitch. <laughs> that's, uh, that's usually on any given hole just with the wind but no i actually love it i uh i have a low ball flight anyway so Ooh, I, I that works here i like stinging them out there should just stick around this summer try to win the newfoundland amateur i think a few <laughs> oh, days no i've i've met some marcus has a, a buddy that is like i think I, I forget his name he's one of the best golfers here but I've seen him play, and I'm nowhere near that. So okay, because yeah. it, because it's funny. It would take I, me. I'd I'd have to commit myself to like a a few summers of straight training to get, really. You to think get that much? Golf. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I yeah. actually. I mean, I I thought about wanting to play golf after, but that's just ridiculous. Well, maybe get your so teaching time. card. You know, you seem like yeah. a teach-minded kind yeah. of guy. Yeah. You seem. I did apply for that, so it's it's sent down to to my Connecticut address. So. Oh, well, we'll have to. We're waiting for it in the mail, I guess. Well, I'd have to go to school for it again, right? So That's true. I was yeah. halfway there myself, but yeah. I was I had a golf coach and was ready to take the playing yeah. test, and, but my game was terrible. Yeah. I was never a single-digit handicap. Yeah, you, what do you got to shoot? You got to shoot like four or five over, right, to even I get, think you need a pair of 76s yeah. in order to get your playing, or your uh, your yep. teaching card, and I was yeah. I was 
maybe a 16 handicap at yeah. my best. So yeah. I think we, we both landed in the right place here. Yeah, there you go. We both have rings yeah, on our fingers. Complain. I get to play hockey, so yeah. yeah. Amen. And I think that's going to do it here for episode 14 of the Growlers Nation podcast. Many thanks to today's very special guest, Evan Newgold. Evan, uh, thanks for coming on and having a chat. This was great today. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you so much, Bally. And make sure you all stay joining us here throughout the season. Get your tickets at nlgrowlers.com or at mile1center.com or call the Mile One Center box office at 576-7657. You can join me all season if you want to listen to these guys on the air at mixler.com slash nlgrowlers or on ECHL TV. Until next time, this is the Growlers Nation podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Growlers Nation podcast with Chris Ballard. Follow the Growlers all season long on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NL Growlers. Listen live to all 72 Growlers games on Mixler, M-I-X-L-R dot com slash NL Growlers.